hello, and thank you for joining us again for our Home is Everything podcast. I'm Russ Frazier, president of Anoem Housing, and today we have Dan McBee joining us. Dan has been uh, with Anoem now for about three and a half years, yeah, I want to say. Right, that. Yeah. yeah, right. So, and Dan's a, a program manager working with our, our, uh, our program uh, folks and, and working with a very, I think, a, a unique individuals and population of people that have come to Anawim with uh, a unique set of opportunities and challenges. And part of the, uh, the role that our, our organization plays and part of what Dan has been able to do in working with a lot of these individuals is seeing some particular outcomes related to how their uh, lives may be changed or impacted by housing stability and their uh, establishment of a certain amount of resources and, and income. But I think there's a lot of other things we want to talk about beyond that. But Dan, uh, first welcome and then thank you uh, for that. And also, can you maybe talk a little bit about what it means uh, or for stability and, and income? Sure, sure. And so thanks again for um, having me on us. And I think when we're talking about stability with folks, we're talking about a thing that's self-defined for the people we work with, meaning that whatever they want to work on is whatever we can help them work on. The really unique thing about the case management that we offer here at Anawim, or at least the programs that I work with uh, offer, is that the case management's going to follow people whether or not they really want it. And the coolest thing about that is it's going to give folks a chance to engage at their own pace. That allows uh, me as a caseworker to develop a trusting relationship with people over time. And through that trust, um, the folks that we work with are able to engage on things that they want to engage with, see that we're going to be consistent. And that allows us the opportunity to kind of nudge them certain ways or another because we're working on the things that we want to work with, um, that they want to work with, I should say. So what we can do with that uh, a lot of times is if, if they're looking for income, um, we can uh, help them with employment opportunities. We actually have someone on staff who's able to uh, get them connected with that. That's an awesome thing. Um, and what we're also able to do is we have a couple people, me being one, who are uh, what's called SOAR trained. And what that means is we are able to kind of look and see uh, to, to Social Security to show that these are people who have been disabled. I mean, people, for the most part, especially in Iowa where it's cold, you're not going to choose to be out on the streets for, you know, 10, 15 years like we're seeing these folks. There's something else going on. But that thing that's going on a lot of times is covered up by drug use, alcohol use, other substance abuse. Let's get some sobriety in there, show that those mental health conditions always existed, even when they were kids, or this, this never changed. The fact that they're not using or drinking anymore, they're still having these problems. And when we can show that, we can show that they are disabled people and they would have a difficult time um, making enough money to survive. And so those are things that we're able to do to help people improve their income um, here at Anawin. Okay, so let's talk about disability then a little bit further. So can you talk about maybe what some of the diagnoses might include that would characterize an individual uh, to be disabled? And then really what, the, what, is, what is that disability or what is the impact of that disability may have on them on their ability 
to lead a what might be termed a successful uh, life? Well, I mean, when we're when we're talking about uh, being disabled in the sense of the way that our funders want it to essentially be defined as is it's a condition that is persistent and not expected to uh, recover from. So that could be um, substance abuse, that could be uh, a lot of times we're dealing with folks with personality disorders. Um, mostly we're dealing with folks who have um, a primary mental health diagnosis, but as we see that people advance on an age in our, our programs, um, we start to see more uh, physical disabilities manifest just because, you know, you're having a hard time taking care of yourself well if you're living out in a tent uh, in the woods. And so disability doesn't necessarily mean that they qualify for benefits, but these are things that can affect people's uh, abilities to connect with others. We see a lot of folks, just the way the referral system works out here, we see a lot of folks with bipolar disorder, uh, a lot of personality disorders, and um, you know, and just as I said, I don't really believe in personality disorders. I, I think those are just ways that people learn to cope with what's happened with them in their lives. And, but sometimes those ways that people have learned to cope uh, make it very challenging for them to fit into a traditional work environment. Um, they have a hard time trusting people. There's some people, it, it can take me months or even years to develop a trusting relationship. But um, introducing that back into someone can, can really help them find a way to get what's called substantial gainful income. So what becomes, uh, you mentioned just some of the challenges of establishing the, that trust, rapport, and relationship. Um, what, what can you point to some of the things you know that have been challenges or what are some of the barriers that, that folks may put up that create that block to help them get to that next level of success for them? I think it's, it's really, um, as far as uh, being a caseworker, it's being flexible and thinking about um, ways that we can be consistent and think about things, I hate to use the term, but that are outside of the box. I'll give you an example. I was working with a guy, um, he was paranoid, he didn't trust anybody, he was convinced that people were breaking into his apartment um, right after he moved in. And um, just as an aside, he's a traditional success story. I was able to work with him, get the trust involved, and we were able to show that he had uh, some personality disorders and we got him on social security, which is awesome. But starting out to get him to trust, he said, people are coming to my apartment all the time. You know, they're not, but, but I said, okay, here's the deal. Why don't you keep the key to your apartment? And I'm not gonna have a key. Mm -hmm. What you need to know is if the landlord finds out about this, I gotta give you some sort of notice that says that you changed your lock or whatever it is. But in doing so, I validated the fact that he was having trust issues. Now I could eliminate myself from the conversation where he's saying, people are coming in here and hey Dan, it's you. No, it's not. Well, we can work to figure out who it is. Now, I would say this is one of the first folks I started working with at Anawim. Um, this gentleman has no issues with the trust between me anymore. Um, he actually, uh, we actually use him uh, when, when we have apartments that get a little bit messy. Uh, we actually use him to come out and clean up uh, apartments and we give him a little bit of money for that. And it's just cool to see the transformation that folks go to. This guy, you know, he refers to 
Anowin as his angels, and it's it's just really cool. And this all started from a guy who was sleeping in his truck at night who was afraid to go inside the homeless shelter, lighting candles in his truck at night in the middle of the winter because he was too paranoid to engage with people. So when I say it takes time, it takes time. But if we can be consistent, we can really find creative ways to engage with people and at least get them to trust somebody. So I think what, what a lot of people will assume and people maybe by, are, are listening to us right now might just generally assume that, well, if you're, if you're find yourself in a situation where you have a need, you're homeless, there are so many resources out there for you and all you got to do is pick up the phone or all you got to do is walk into a place, you know, and it's not that easy. It, there are so many barriers that have come up in people's lives that whether it is tr matters of trust uh, or it's just a matter of not understanding what the what the opportunity can be for them. So I think, you know, there's just there's not an easy solution that, that I think there oftentimes can be this this mindset of, well, just help yourself. You can do it. I think that works for some people. And, uh, you know, and I think that works for most people, Russ. Mm -hmm. But we're talking about folks um, that a lot of the folks that we're working with, they don't have a phone. They can't keep a phone. They lose it. Maybe they sell it because they need to, to get some, uh, some toilet paper or something like that. You're not thinking long term when you're in a survival situation. And so the, this goes back to developing that trusting relationship. If we can be consistent and we can be there for folks, we can help navigate them through. I mean, maybe uh, most people would be able to say, hey, I'm just gonna pick up a phone and, and do this. But I'll tell you one thing, when people can't even keep a phone, a lot of the case management agencies in town will say, hey, uh, we tried to get a hold of them, we couldn't find them, they didn't pick up their phone, and so now they lose uh, uh, they lose case management. But they can get back into it if they find them again. But it's the housing also provides an opportunity for those uh, community resources to re-engage. I got a case manager who's looking to get in touch with somebody that I work with. Hey, I can I can let's let's find a time and meet up at, at that person's apartment in a place that's comfortable to them, and let's get the work done. It, this what we do provides access for folks who um, are difficult to access. If that makes sense, I, we, I can't I can't speak for people's ability to engage with other people. And like I said, we're dealing with a lot of people who have trust issues in the first place. They might not trust the government. They, you know, and if it, if they don't trust me, <laughs> I mean, I don't know who else. You know, uh, and they see me consistently and see that we're doing what we need to do and they're still having trust issues, why would they trust someone who they barely know? Well, then it does have, uh, really comes down to finding a, the starting point is a place to live for many. Sure, and uh, you know, I, I remember something that uh, I was told many years ago by someone who I, I view as a mentor, and uh, her boss said, you know, all these people, they need therapy, and yeah, they, they probably could benefit from it, but they're probably not going to go. But I'll tell you what, the fact that they have a housing case manager is therapeutic. And that relationship is therapeutic. And I just, it, the changes you see people go through 
when they have their own housing and they have decisions and agency and they can work back towards those goals that they want to, whatever they are, there's no wrong answer. And if you want to be, uh, you know, if you want to end up on the moon one day, let's work backwards. Well, if you want to get up to the moon, maybe you're probably going to need to get a physical. <laughs> and so there's, there's, there's ways that we can work towards those goals. And I, it's just, it's some of the most rewarding work that you can do. Um, every day is different. And uh, the, the people that we work with, uh, you really get to, you know, like I say, you get to be kind of the, the first mate on their ship. And it's, it's so cool. I mean, this is uh, just being able to see people make changes in their lives and you being able to be on the sideline and coach them is, is truly amazing. Well, I love your analogy of uh, compartmentalizing and, and doing one step at a time and working backwards for that. That's, uh, that's, that's a, it's a great approach to allow people to, uh, to take those steps they need to uh, take in order to get to where they want to be. So when you're talking to uh, somebody new, meet somebody new, and, and uh, they say, well, what is it? Tell me, uh, what, what do you do? Tell me, tell, what's, your, what are your, what's your line? What's your, what do you say to people about, about your job? Well, I, I tell people, you're going to see me as much as you need to see me. When I first moved someone into housing, one of the things that people don't believe when they move in is that there really are no strings attached on this. I'm just asking that you be a good neighbor. Uh, one of the, the lines I tell my folks is if I find out about it first, I can help you with it. If the landlord's telling me there's a problem, um, we're, we're going to have more issues. So we're working as kind of a liaison for folks. I go back and I, I engage with the people that they want to engage with at. Um, I also try and respect people's autonomy, thinking how I would want to be treated if I had a caseworker. Maybe that's not something I want to share with everybody. So I will go out, I'll see my folks, I, I get that relationship with them, they, they reach out to me, I see them frequently, but at their own pace. If, if I show up um, and you don't want to meet that day, it's okay, you know, everybody, maybe you're just tired or maybe you, you, you don't want to see me, that's okay. But as long as I'm consistent, that will start to develop trust. I tell, I tell my people, you don't have to like me, and I hope that they do, but I just need you to know that when I say I'm gonna do something for you, I'm gonna do it. And that, um, that just kind of gets them rolling. I mean, like I said, I feel like people a lot of times have a hard time believing that they're just getting this housing. But, you know, we can talk about it in a way that says this is, uh, this is good for the community because it saves the community a ton of money. If these people are on the streets, they're gonna end up in jail, they're gonna end up in treatment programs, they're going to be using the ER for uh, healthcare access. If they're working with us, now we can we can coordinate and we can get them where they want to be. If they're having issues, we can get them uh, uh, the right point of entry to any social system that they need to be at. And uh, I, I think that's going to save that saves the community money. And then on the flip side, I can tell people who maybe look at it from a different way. Well, we're we're doing the right thing, you know. Um, from my perspective, housing is a human right, and that's the right way to approach things. Some people might not feel that way. Well, I can come back and I can say, but this saves everybody a ton of money. So <laughs> what we're doing, I think um, it's kind of a win-win. Uh, kind of um, is there something better out there? I think so, but I don't know what that is yet. I mean, at this point, we're still spending money to save money. 
but um, this programming, I know for a fact, uh, changes people's lives. Dan, thanks so much for uh, sharing your uh, story with us. And I want to thank everyone for joining us today for our Homeless Everything podcast. Thanks to Dan McBee for uh, for your your story uh, today. And we look forward to uh, sharing more stories about Anaheim Housing very soon.